0: then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor podcast, the show dedicated to the private investor, and I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. We want to show you how to cross the divide from residential investing over to commercial property investing through interviews tips and lessons learned we share experiences of investing and give you the inspiration knowledge and confidence to enjoy this great cash flowing strategy so let's get started Welcome back to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast. Today I'm really excited to be joined by Darren and Jillian Green. I've actually had the privilege to occupy a ringside seat with Darren and Jillian for the last couple of years, watching their commercial exploits. So thank you both for creating some space in your diary to join me today. It's really great to have you um on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for
1: having us on, Jerry.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, it's great to see you both on the on the podcast and finally to have this interview, right? So We're going to get more into depth about a CMO project later on, but maybe we should just start by introducing you guys to the audience. There'll be plenty of listeners that know you, but plenty who don't. So maybe you could just give us a brief background into your property exploits, when you started, what sort of investments you've been doing um, up until the start of a couple of years ago.
1: Yeah, so back in 2017, um, we were kind of, I suppose, just the usual, like corporate jobs, like decent paid jobs, holidays, Nice life, nice house, all the usual. Um and along came our daughter Lauren. Um, totally turned our like they do, don't they? Like yeah. totally turned our world upside down, realized um, we couldn't continue doing what we are doing. We had to do something different. So we decided um, after doing some training, actually, we, we didn't have any experience. So we went and did one of the big training courses, which at the time, it was absolutely the right thing for us. Um, but after doing that, we started off in biked lets, and um, doing buying for pre-finance, then moved on to HMOs, done a bit of sourcing over the years, flipping, love flipping properties, love staging. And then we went into, we've now got some holiday-lets as well. But as we went through that, path do like the word journey but that was what was going to come out of my mouth but as we went through that we obviously met people who were involved in commercial property like yourself Jerry and I think at the start I was like no like all I wanted to do was buy let's because I kind of understood what they were um, but as time went on we got a bit more comfortable like doing the HMO kind of gave us a bit more experience in and doing kind of bigger
2: yeah. types of refurbs it also opened us up i think to the higher cash flow and strategies where you've got one unit and rather than just having one income from it it would be quite cool to have multiple incomes coming from it and i think that it's only a hop skip and a jump then to commercial and the cmo like project that we're going to talk about today
0: yeah so you, you you were doing your buy to let's you moved on to i think was it sa first and then hmo
1: no, HMO then. HMO SCO. SCO.
0: Yeah, because I remember, Darren, you were going up and down to Liverpool because I think that's yeah. where you, you took on one or two HMOs. Yeah, Just a when, we,
1: when we started speaking to you properly, Jerry, um, about it was around about time you'd started doing this, the commercial course. Yeah. Um, and we were actually sitting in the McDonald's car park, I think, in Liverpool. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: um, Because we were going to our HMO, our first HMO, to stage it, like to set it all up. Uh, the refurb been done. But I remember sitting there going, yeah, I think one of the next things we'll do is commercial.
2: The the other thing Jill Jill had mentioned, or Jill Jill never mentioned there, we decided to, when we got into property, we got opened, our eyes opened to the world of of SaaS pensions, which I know Paul's been on your podcast recently. And that for us was just, wow, that's pretty cool. And obviously one of the things that we had intended to do with the south pension was hold commercial property in it we still don't do that yet um but that was one that of the other reasons that was one of the other drivers that we've got this pension and of course we had this responsibility now that we've got to use it you know we've no fund manager investing it on our behalf we've got to use it and um, and yeah so commercial property felt like a logical next step for us to start thinking about one how can we get some higher cash flow strategies in um for our business but also just how do we utilize the the resources that we've got yeah. and by that I mean the the SAS pension. Yeah and,
0: and without going too much into SAS obviously that there's a there's another pool there from Lauren as well is to, to provide something there that can go through the SAS pension as well. I, I think yeah. I remember that conversation and, and it, that you were talking there where we were I can't remember if we were doing our first mastermind or our second one and you guys were like, you know, we're concentrating on this HMO, we need to get this out of the way, we'll probably do the next one. And sure enough, next time round, you guys were ready and we went through that process. And And I guess some of that will come through the story as we go through it just now, right? But it was really interesting from my point of view, just observing that process. And although, you know, you've you said, you know, it's 2017 you got started, I mean, that's relatively recently. Right, And you've actually done loads of stuff in that time frame, you know, hats off. And and I know you're doing flips quite regularly. You've built up a good portfolio and a good cash flow there. And now, just to finish, in terms of what you guys are doing now, you've both left corporate world, right? Maybe you should just give us a little bit more detail. So, Dan, you've got your own consulting business as well. And your life is much more on your terms. And, of course, there's an addition to the family as well.
2: Yeah. 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 I mean, I always knew... I think since getting into property, I I love property, but I I think what I love most about it is what it provides you, what it can provide you in terms of a means to an end, like the lifestyle, living more on your terms. So I'd always known when I was stepping away from a corporate role, which I didn't hate paid. Okay but I didn't love it. It, it. You know, if I was to think like, what would a 10-year-old Darren have said he wanted to grow up and be? It wasn't a retention strategy manager running <laughs> forecasts Maybe stuff. it was. <laughs> you know, it's maybe what my skills are best for. But yeah, so for me, it was always about bringing people through and helping people grow and bring in new skills and giving them the confidence that they maybe don't see in themselves yet. So I retrained as a, as a coach, done some coaching in and, and my corporate world so that when I stepped away from that, actually I had another active business to focus on out with the, the property space. Yeah. Um, and obviously I've done some property mentoring, helping people get started in property. That that very much just came out about by accident. Um, but at the heart of it, it's just about helping people grow and take more control of their lives, really.
1: Mm. And I think for us like, leaving corporate, we were, I don't like using this word, but I think in this respect we were. It's like we were quite lucky. Um, Because, like, both of our exits from Corporate World landed at a time of redundancy. Mm -hmm. Um, So we effectively got paid to leave. Darren was more voluntary um, during COVID. I was um, a few years, I was 2019 when I left. Um, But I was, I suppose, like, in 2017, I left, like, I was on mat leave with Lauren. And then you said, obviously, we had a new addition. Yeah, He was a bit of a surprise because it's only 14 months between them. So I was kind of back to work and then off again yep. um, on maternity leave, again, using that time to go and view like smelly properties and manage the refurb and stuff like that. But when I came back after having and um, a lot had changed in the organisation, we both worked for the same company, but I worked in the partnership space and there was a, basically they were getting bought over again and obviously that's an area that until the new strategy like gets formed like you can't really do much in that space so mm-hmm. there wasn't a need for as many people in that team so I got offered redundancy as well but it was one of those ones I couldn't refuse so
2: and I was like the cat that got the cream at that time it wasn't <laughs> like a, you know sometimes it's all like, oh, like I, I, I get a lot of people made redundant for both of us it was a we wanted this. We welcomed it, and we were lucky enough, I guess, to to get that opportunity to yeah, be like, paid to go.
1: I, I think we planned that I would leave my job in the August that year, based on the cash flow and stuff like that. But this was in the January, so you can imagine me like I was on the train, like Dan was working from home that day. I was on the train, going, "Guess what? Guess you what? I can't believe it!" I Just tell me what's happened.
2: I'm not redundant.
1: Uh-huh. Now that's not a reaction that I would expect like me to have like God if if it wasn't for property and I was in that position that would be quite a scary thing having two kids. I get that that's not the reaction that most people would have like sure. that was just situational and to be honest it helped us. We used that money to invest back into our business to grow the portfolio um which which was the right thing to do at the time.
2: That, that that is. I mean, it's probably a worth point just in terms of the mindset of what got us there. Obviously, we had a bit of the property business that Jill was delighted to step into, and me latterly to step into. But the redundancy money were that's great because that means I only like we can eat that out for a few years if we bring in some income. But what did we do? We just invested it and to, ma- made it made like, tougher ourselves to have to go out and and make find other income. Uh, I think
0: the key thing here, though, is, yeah, you say it's lucky. And, and you know, the timing was good, right? But um you'd already built your well. Do you know what I mean? You'd already dug the hole. You'd already got on with getting the property so that when the situation came up, you were ready for it rather than the other way around, where it just appears and you're like, holy moly, what am I going to do? Because everything stops. So you, you'd already done a lot of the work to pre- prepare yourself for that. It, it, it's interesting, my... I didn't get made redundant. I left, but my wife, she get made redundant? No, she didn't. But basically, we did the same sort of process of one of us left, continued with the property business, developed out, and then the other could leave as well. And you just, you're just—you just working away with that. You were lucky enough to get redundancies. I don't think we were, to be fair. But people, everybody comes at it from a different different angle, don't they? But essentially, you got some training, started off a buy-to-let, worked through some strategies and then started sort of feeling right, maybe we need to look at this commercial thing, both from the SaaS point of view, but also from a cash point cash flow point of view. So let's let's go to the start of that process. And um, I want to talk a little bit about feelings and about how you felt and what you were finding, right? So at that st- <laughs> at the start of that process, how did you feel um about the commercial world and what you were starting to enter?
1: Scared.
2: <laughs> right. I don't think I would I don't think no, I would scare. I
1: think I was the more hesitant one. Uh if I'm honest, um and quite often I am the more hesitant one about like I can I'm very adaptable to change, but I think for the first like 10% of anything I'm a bit worried. I was when we got started in property I was when we moved into any other strategy. I was just a little bit scared. But then once I get it, I'm cool after that. I'm all in with the commercial side. It was like coming along to obviously the sessions with you, having you at the end of the phone. I mean, the amount of questions I probably asked that were like, no, those like silly questions. And even questions I know that you'd already covered in sessions that I I don't think it really... I don't think it is real to me until I'm actually in it, yep. if that makes sense. Like, I'm the sort of person that I can listen to all the theory in the world. But until I'm actually out there looking at things, I think i remain quite scared. And I don't learn until I'm actually doing, doing the do kind of thing, or in the swim, I should say.
0: Yeah, so you're right. Anything in life, it's only when you cross the line that you start to get a bit of confidence. But, but sometimes it's that bold step of actually going over the line, isn't it? I don't necessarily mean about buying a property, but actually just getting in the swim and getting on with the process just yeah, yeah, yeah. builds confidence, doesn't it? How, how did you feel about it all, Darren?
2: I mean, I, I just think it was, it just felt, when I, when I think about, you know, working with yourself to start off with, it was really clear to me that, like, we'd done training, we spent tens of thousands on training, one of which was commercial property. But that never put us in a position where we were like, but how do we get into commercial property It never gave us that confidence and what we've done for some of the other strategies was work with a mentor that had been there done it and could actually help us work through the practicalities of yeah. it because for for whatever reason sitting in a classroom for three days didn't make me comfortable to go out and buy commercial property whereas i think even with yourself you're sat there and you've got the practicality, but you need to go out and actually look at some stuff. And it felt—I don't know whether you use this phrase, but murky springs to mind. Yeah. It just felt a little bit, you know. It wasn't black or white. It was like grey or opaque. It was just—it <laughs> uh, didn't feel as clear as what residential was. Residential is good. That's a house. Yet, what's the done-up value for it? Work back from there for commercial. What's the done-up value? Oh, I don't know. Could be about what tenants are in it, what location, um, you know, what's the strength, what's the strength of the tenants that you've got in there. What is it, leases or licences? There was so many other factors, variables there. That, yeah. Variables Somebody there. Still
1: feels a bit like that, because, but I suppose it's like as long as you've got the gist of it or the majority of it, like you're willing to take that leap, like and like manage that risk.
2: Yeah, and and that is that. That to be honest. I didn't feel scared, I was saying, I didn't feel scared of Joe, because I don't think, you know, we'd built a portfolio that was maybe a couple of million pound before we got there. I wasn't looking to go and buy a two million pound commercial property. So we were looking to add something to our portfolio that would be a relatively small percentage of our overall portfolio. So therefore, from a risk point of view, I felt pretty comfortable. And, but that's why I think it was good working with with yourself because it, it gave that support to lean into that change and that new additional strategy.
0: I'd forgotten that you had done three days solid about commercial somewhere else in terms of training. Um, And then obviously we got together and started the process. But I, from what you're saying, really, it was it was being able to dip in to the market, find out a little bit of the murkiness, like you say, the mud, and then come back out and, and, and then check in and just say, right, this is what we discovered. Is everybody else having the same icky mud all over themselves to out yeah. what's going on and then back in again yeah and just over over process of time you start to put together the pieces of the jigsaw about how this market works what what did you find out then with the commercial agents which often is the first protocol for people did you find that a relatively easy process were you lucky and finding a good agent how did how was that element
1: yeah so we kind of just looked at properties initially online and then contacted agents and went and viewed them. We were focused in Ayrshire and there's not that many commercial agents there so I think the first one we met was a lady at Shepherds which is where we found the first purchase from and I would again, I was quite scared going out and viewing this property because I was worried that they were going to start talking in like commercial language that I didn't get. And yeah. to be honest, I still don't get, but what I've realized is just talk to them. Um so I think we viewed maybe about I think it all in total, maybe four properties with that particular region until we came across Bank Street, the one we bought. But even when I viewed it the first time, I was like walking around it. I'm like, "This is what Jerry's talking about." And I remember coming back and listening to Darren, and like, "Look at these pictures. This is what he's talking about." Um, but then I was too scared. <laughs> 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 and it took them to the I went back and viewed it again, um, and it was at that point that we started um, like offering on it. But. And I think probably we've viewed with another two or three agents. Um, and some of them, I would say, like, I can easily phone up. I don't think we're at the stage that they're giving stuff to is like off market. Um, I didn't, didn't find
2: it too difficult, though. I no. think, I think, like, you sometimes infer this in the podcast where it's, or you've picked this up or said this, that sometimes you won't get the call back or you struggle to get a hold of them. I mean, they're probably not phoning us to say, oh, like we've got this coming market yet. Yeah, we're not there yet, but generally speaking, you know, we're chasing a few just now, you know, and it's a bit, bit hit or miss at the moment, but I'd say when we started, it was, doors were open kind of. It was like, can we go and view this yet? That's so we just trying to get out there and viewing some type of stuff and it took a while to go around a few different properties to say, oh, yeah, I'm not sure about that one, but you were just going to see it as a bit of an experience in learning. But agents agents seem to be okay, I think.
1: Yeah, I think the thing that I was struggling with was I couldn't quite articulate at the start what exactly we were looking for. Yeah. But what I found is when I went into the building, like I could see why I didn't want it now that I'd seen it and yes. um, whereas that one that we bought like there was nothing really that I could say that
0: the was reason you job. couldn't buy it
1: yeah so <laughs> um and that agent like just thinking about like I suppose it's like how do you build a relationship um because obviously they even though it's a smaller market than Rezi, like they're, st- they're still speaking to quite a lot of people aren't they um, and like with that particular agent, like it was really nice because after we bought Bank Street, I viewed something else with her um, and up to that point I'd actually worked out that she stayed in my hometown. She knew some people that I knew. When I went to view the thing after from we completed, I took her like a little bottle and a card just to say thank you and stuff like that. So because I always think it's just about building like finding like some sort of similarity. Yep. Like or some interest that you share that you can chat about. And I think that'll help you be a bit more memorable. But also doing what you said you would do. Like I do remember there being a bit of a conversation where like we when we originally agreed on Bank Street, like we'd said that it was a clean offer. We did have the the funds there, but then it took so long to go between, it was more like the seller solicitor. I don't know, it was maybe away on holiday for like a month or something like that, but it just felt like it took so long, like that was quite a frustrating thing compared to Resi. Yeah. that in that time, we... I think that was when we bought a holiday, like a little holiday let, that we got the opportunity to buy quite quickly. So then we decided we are going to go for bridging on it, and they didn't like it. And I remember the, the agent phoning me saying, oh, but I thought it was a clean offer, da-da-da. And I was like, well, it was, but it would take that long. Um, and because we had to go for bridging, we had to get a valuation done on it. So, yeah, it it was just that bit of time. And I, but I suppose it's just getting to know the agents.
0: Right, so that, we're, we're gonna go on and talk about that building in a second, but just in, in the lead up to it, just remind me how long it actually took, Gillian, from when you, and, and Bear, uh, I'm hoping that this whole discussion we're having is gonna be really useful for, for listeners who are, are sort of getting to the point where they, same start of you really, where you started, sorry, where they they've been doing the residential stuff and now they're getting ready to do commercial, but they're really not sure what all this stuff entails. And they maybe hear some podcasts from me and some other bits and pieces from other people, but it's actually people out there like you with your own experience sharing what happened, how you felt, the time it took, you know. And I remember when we were going through looking at different projects, and then this one came up, and and just the time frame it took was a bit longer, really, wasn't it? From from yeah. actually going for that first viewing to actually buying, what was the time frame? Yeah, so
1: the first view, I think it was late summer. Um then we agreed, we offered and agreed in the September. Yeah. And then it completed in February.
0: Yeah. So it wasn't too bad. So maybe was it July through to Feb?
1: Yeah. Something like that. Overall, yeah. like that's when I first viewed the properties I didn't offer then. That was still in my scared stage, I think. Yeah.
2: I think we got the offer accepted. I'm was sure it's it September. When we moved in, the day after think- we moved into the house that we're in just now so we'd had that like that year we'd had a few things going on obviously like move house ourselves and yeah it was uh, it was a nice moving in present yeah
0: great okay so let's talk about it what is it <laughs> we should have done that at the start the
2: project you end up buying just give us a little bit of details about what it actually is yeah so it's a commercial office building i guess it's an old train station um you, you imagine it it's probably the size is four and a half thousand square foot which i guess and i don't know how many yoga mats and gels. So that's how Joe measures sizes of, of space but in terms of it's like two you know four bed houses effectively together uh, it was an old train station just prior to the war um where it was decommissioned uh the train line actually came right up into our car park for the building so a n- nice little bit of history that we we, we liked about it, but nice old building. Um, but the background to it was, um, basically half of it, about 2,500 square foot was the upper, was the owner. They'd owned the building, uh, they ran their company, it was an IT company, I think you've run it was an in insurance, company. insurance company. there you go. <laughs> and he he ran that from the whole first floor, but it moved out and it had been vacant for years, I mean, probably like eight, 10 years. And it was still being, I'd been getting advertised for, you know, could you lease this space? So when we went to see it, it was one of those, you know, where it clicked and it went, someone's trying to sell this space, but no company wants that amount of space in in this area.
1: And it wasn't, like, it wasn't nice. It, if you can imagine it was, like, blue dated floors, blue 80s, walls. I, it was an appealing um, but, the, I mean, it's split into three separate parts, like the upper that was all empty, but then on the bottom floor, the bottom right, main door entry, it's got like three, four rooms inside. That is on a lease to a, a well-known surveying firm. Um, and we've, we've built a really good relationship with the commercial agent in there now.
0: Um, <laughs> You're one but, of your tenants, yep. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> and then the, the section on the left-hand side Again, main door and it actually had three rooms in it. And when we when we purchased it, um, or when I viewed it, it was actually one lady who had a lease that had expired on it, but she was just paying per month. But what she'd done was sublease the other two rooms because the energy costs were meaning that it wasn't worth for her to have it. It was just costing her too much. She'd actually agreed to move out, so we had two people in those rooms paying like a set amount on a kind of informal basis when we bought yeah. it.
0: Um, okay, so so basically the ground floor was almost completely occupied, albeit there were some there that were on a lease or a license agreement that wasn't too too strong. Yeah. And then the upper floor was completely vacant, but actually was divided up into lots of different units already, yeah. wasn't it?
2: There's ten, ten rooms up there already, ranging from about 160 square foot to two eighty. So you're talking about like a small, you know, one two person office to about a four to six person office. You maybe yeah. squeeze another couple of more in there, but, but yeah. So that was really appealing because then it meant it was like a cosmetic refurb upstairs. There was two separate uh, toilets, male female toilets. There was a communal kitchen facility, and yeah, there was a lot about it that went. This isn't this isn't that scary yeah. as a refurb. Um and we had the benefit, like Joe was saying, that we had income coming in from downstairs um on day one.
0: Yeah. So that yeah, so Joe, you were saying about walking around thinking, is this what we're looking for? Because it had partial income, right? So that yeah. and that did cover finance from day one, didn't it? And I had this vacant space that would have been scary for most people, but actually because of the way it was being presented for one tenant, it just wasn't making any sense. But as soon as you change that up op- that um that offer round to maybe more individual units, uh, it could could fill up. But of course, you know, that only happens when you buy it and then you actually test yeah. and see whether it works, right? So there were some other um similar offers. There was another offer across the road, though, that you could look at, couldn't you, and do yeah, a bit there's of research a larger
1: about it? Yeah, a larger building across the road. Um, I think it's got over 30 units in it. And what from what we could see, it, it was pretty full. Um, they were actually undergoing a little change themselves where they'd, they'd let quite a large space out to the council. The council had moved out, and they were struggling to let that, so they decided to cut all that up. And that was all getting laid out one of the ladies actually in our ground floor had actually taken a unit across there the one that had the original lease downstairs so we knew that there was demand i think at that time we were we had some ideas about who the the occupiers could be like who our customers could be but obviously there was still a little bit of doubt it's like like is this real like well, will they like no that build it and they will come type idea like yeah. you do worry about that i think because although there looks to be demand you don't actually see the reality until yeah. you do it
0: So <laughs> let, let's jump forward for a second so now you've got one space you operate your own business out of up, upstairs uh, what about the other units did you find customers for them all
1: Yes, so um, the smaller spaces seem to go quicker. So we've got in the, in the bottom space, we've changed that. Com- it's completely well being now. So we've got three units in there. It's called Wellbeing at 43. Um, we've got hairdressers in there, nail, eyebrow people, and a massage place yep. as well. And then upstairs, we thought it was going to be more like officey type people. But actually some of our some of our earlier ones were like we've got a historian in there. Yep. Um we've got it's like total random, it's like a whiskey historian, like so interesting. Then we've got a counselor, then we've got accountants. Um, but then the majority of the rest of that upper is all in the health and wellbeing space. We found that people who have got their the majority of them have already got their client base. They were either sharing a room like on the high street with somebody else and they wanted their own space, or they were on the high street or in in a shop front, and it was just becoming too costly to run it out of there. And they wanted they still wanted their own space, but they liked the idea of being amongst other people. So Yeah, we've ended up having quite a well-being space in between ourselves and across the road. That area of the town, like, pretty much you can get everything
2: done. (laughs) I think we could probably fill the whole space again with wellness. Yeah. There's a lot of women spending a lot of money on, uh, maybe some guys, but I I don't see many of them. But, yeah, hair, nails, makeup, eyebrows.
1: An interesting thing that I found was, obviously, given it is health and wellness, but the majority, bar two people, one including Darren, um, are female
0: taking yeah.
1: you know, Um So we do want to spend a bit more time now. Now that we've filled it, really, kind of building up that kind of warm kind of vibe in in the place really make them feel that they know each other in the building hopefully to make that a bit more sticky
0: yeah okay great so we've developed a full-on cmo here with with some expectations of the type of clients but it's ended up being slightly different we we all know noreen right i was talking to noreen the other day (laughs) yeah and she and she's got a customer in there you talk about a, a whiskey historian and, you know, how do you advertise for a whiskey historian, right? You know, you're a target market. And, and Noreen, she said, it's just, oh, I've got this new client. You didn't believe it. Basically, they're cleaning trainers. So people who have expensive trainers okay. drop them off with these guys and they clean expensive white trainers. That's their business, right? I mean, how do you advertise for that? You don't, right? So, so what you're trying to do is advertise for a certain need, a certain um, type of space that people require rather than targeting a specific business or um, profession but it, it's interesting over the years these things change don't they and, and it's quite interesting also that you've got somebody doing eyebrows in one and somebody doing accounts in another, and they can all work together as yeah. long as you've got that sort of the commonal areas for them for them for them to work with mm-hmm. interesting so it's all full well done and just a bit, I guess. People want to ask about. We touched on it briefly. Is just finance. How did you go through the finance process on this? You mentioned bridging was
2: the yeah, ultimate
0: so one that you used.
2: We used some bridging finance. So the purchase, for, the purchase for it was two thirty um, for the for the property. We put a hundred thousand bridge on it, and the the monthly payments for that conveniently came to about what we were getting as a monthly rent from the surveyors that were yep. down in a quarter of the building, effectively. So in our minds, it was like, that's kind of paying for itself. The rest was probably a combination of our own income that's kind of cash flow within, within the business, but also a mix of private investment finance as well. So um, we worked with private investment for pretty much a year into okay. our own portfolio, building our own portfolio. So yeah, it was another opportunity to to utilise that. Um, but, but that's really how the finance yeah. went together.
1: But because... For- We planned to obviously improve that building, increase our revenue on it. We knew that we would need to have an exit off of that. So when we were speaking to the broker, they actually got us a product, kind of more of a kind of bridge to let product, um, whereby the bridge is two years. um, So we're just a year into it. And we're now starting the refinance process onto a longer term product with With that lender, the same
2: lender, yeah, yeah, great. And the rates, I should say, as well. And this, like, for commercial, the the lending that we'll get at the back end, where the expectation was going to be more expensive. So, you know, this is even before the the mini budget last year. Yeah, we're probably looking at yeah, it it will maybe be six, seven percent. Now we're probably looking at more like eight, eight and a half percent which is fine and we just work work those numbers in. Um, but actually at, at purchase, our costs were very similar to what we were expecting in the residential market. So the, bridging, the bridge that we were paying bridging costs were exactly the same as, in fact, a little bit cheaper than what we previously paid in the last few for residential purchases.
0: Okay, thanks for that, that's the finance side. I guess I better just quickly jump back to the purchase process in that there was a listed price And then there was the purchase price, right, which are completely different. So, just just give us the high the the high level numbers. What were they What were they asking for originally?
2: I was asking when we first viewed it, and it's just like got different uh, recollection of this. But (laughs) the schedule was offers over three four nine or three fifty, effectively. Yeah. It then, when we'd viewed it, it had been dropped to offers over, I think, three hundred, or just under two nine nine and and this is where even in the residential market we'd been really comfortable or we'd got ourselves comfortable with ignoring whatever the listing price is and going with what we think it was worth obviously in the, the this new world we had a we had an income that we think that we could create from this property but we were like well where does it meet our where do we get to an offer that kind of is reasonable yeah so The listing price was almost a bit irrelevant for us, but it was more, how do we have confidence in the numbers that we're okay to go to as a maximum offer? So we kind of knew the income that was in the property just now, the value of it was probably about 180, 200,000 tops. But we were thinking actually what they had originally advertised for, it was probably worth about 360, 350, 360 fully occupied. But of course, we're not buying it fully occupied. So they were, it, it felt like they were chancing it a little bit. Um, and therefore, we knew that the offer needed to sit a lot closer to the 180, 200 mark than it did the 360, which was kind of what they were looking for to start with. Um, so yeah, we, we ended up, We I don't think we negotiated long on it. I think we sat at, no. um, I think we went in at 210 and then, it, then settled at 230. That process took, Couple of weeks or a few weeks.
1: Yeah, that wasn't long. It
2: wasn't that long to to go back there, but we were comfortable with that. We would have probably went up a little bit higher, um, but we purposely wanted to just dip our toe in at a reasonable level because we had other offers out on on other units as well at that time.
0: Yeah, so they come back and they say yes at that price, and that's exciting but also scary. Because I mean,
2: you within five minutes, maybe. <laughs> Jenny, someone's actually said yes. What do I do now?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then eventually you go through that process, and then you get the keys, and then it's another like, what do we do now? <laughs> yeah. And how how did you feel on that day when you finally got the keys for this commercial thing? <laughs>
1: the commercial thing. Yeah, like, oh, God, do you know, I don't even think we've got a key picture. Like, we used to take key pictures and all yeah. the rest stuff. I don't think we've got that for the commercial one. But, yeah, like, on the day we got the keys, um, we were at the property. Um, we went and spoke to all the existing tenants, um, which was really positive, actually. I think they were just glad because this, built. it's got quite a large car park as well. It's, like, got maybe 20, 30 spaces, Uh, in the car park so um, I think they were just happy that somebody was going to look after the building um, because they were getting annoyed because people elsewhere were parking in the car park like all of that stuff Um, and I remember going upstairs and that's obviously the bit that needed the most work and yeah I think actually on day one we had an electrician there like and so it was just like get started and plan it all out because um, we had quite a wee bit of work, mainly cosmetic stuff, but like
2: all the radiators were coming like, off. It was a brand new heating system going in. So. Um right, okay. So got the keys, got
0: started, started with the process, and then um you have to start looking for customers at some point, don't you? You know, because there is that thing about right, I've got a project and something you can get stuck into straight away, but ultimately you have to get a customer to actually start giving cash flow. So how long did it take? What sort of things did you do to start? Getting that interest, gauging what people were looking for.
1: Yeah. So we started off like doing things like putting things on like local business pages and things like that. I think in hindsight, like I agree we've got to get a balance between advertising early enough, but not advertising too early. Cause actually we we had got two interested parties in the rooms upstairs and we were we were pretty much at the start of the refurb and they just kind of lost, they kind of went and found other places in the meantime because it did take us, took us longer than it should have taken. Yeah. Put it yeah. this way, like we would not be taking that long next time round.
2: I think we had two other projects. So we went into the new year when we were getting the keys. We were finishing off a bite of let and then we had, had two other, well. yeah, um, couple other projects that we were, we were finishing. Yeah, so
1: we did get a bit distracted on maybe the easier stuff. Um, and what we probably didn't, things like painting, so decorating, like this, just the upper took so much longer to do than we're so used to doing like a house, right, (laughs) Um, it just, I can't even remember how long it took us to just do the painting, Um, but just that as an example, so it took us too long to do the refurb, um, which a lot of learnings there, in terms of advertising, we did start but my focus was getting the two rooms downstairs filled because between us buying it we knew one of the tenants in there was going to be moving out because she needed triple the size of space that we couldn't give her um so i knew i had one empty room and that room that i would need to fill at some point luckily she was with us longer than initially intended because she dishes with her new space but basically we got them filled pretty quickly and I I actually from memory it was really through like advertising on the small business pages putting stuff out on Facebook we were in that area as well so just putting stuff out and I'm sure the first one came from the first one came from that the second one came from a referral Um, and then we'd started thinking about right how else can we advertise for these spaces and we we kind were in conversation with um john and james who yep. obviously also came through the training with you i'd known james from the resi space in the usher um so we had a good chat about how could we work together because at that point they'd started buying units in Yorkshire as well And we came up with Ayrshire Flexible Workspaces, um, whereby we set up a website and we started to advertise through social media under that brand, kind of with the view that, on one hand, we're able to share costs of any of the ads we did, the website, things Mm -hmm. like that. But actually coming together as a collective meant that we maybe had a bit more clout, if Mm -hmm. that's the right word. Because people who were kind of checking out one office, they'd be able to see on the website that we had multiple across Ayrshire. Yeah. Um, and we were all doing refurbs at different times, so ours were kind of coming on at the same time as as one of theirs in Ayr, and whereas some of the other ones are still under refurb just now. Yeah. So it was quite. It was also meant we had people to kind of chat to about it as well
0: like what we're finding and yeah you can you can um, yeah yeah, there's an opportunity maybe cross sell stuff but also just to understand what else is going on that's the beauty of working with other people isn't it you're not just learning for yourself there's what else people are going through um so okay so we found customers from a few different locations it's now full so it's not going to stop there. Obviously, you'll have churn, people will come and go and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But
1: already like today, Jerry, I'm actually going to do a check-out and a check-in.
0: Right.
1: Um, because we did have a customer came without a customer base and we did allow them to break their license as long as we could fill it again. Yeah. So basically filled it no bother within a week and yeah doing the checkout check-in so we've already experienced that you did tell yeah. us it was it would come and as of today we've had our first one
0: <laughs> good and i hope you've tweaked your price just well because. that is
2: actually yeah i mean i think for that one i'm not sure we we have but consistently across the board um you spoke about the different phases on the podcast you yeah. know around like bums on seats so getting it getting it fully occupied which is where it is we're we're having brought and onboarded some people, particularly in the wellness space, where they're coming to us and saying, you know, oh, I'm, I'm, I've rented this office at, you know, let's say 450 a month. And we'd offered something like 300 pounds for a room. And they're like, this is great. This is their own space. They didn't have any windows before. Um, it's just one bill. They've got wi fi They don't pay the heating bills. They've got parking for their clients. They're like, this is amazing. I'm like, I wish you'd told me that before we uh, <laughs> set that. Right, so we already know there's there's a, there's there's some margin there. Obviously, without there's a tipping point where you take there it too so yeah. far and ultimately you got to push to find out where that is. Yeah, so I think there's room for us to go there, but we're also looking at things like Joe mentioned occupancy is largely females. But we've actually got male toilets there that we probably don't need a male and a female toilet. We could actually, with a bit of restructuring, we could have some um, unisex toilet cubicles created with self-serving sinks inside, and create another office space. And then we're also looking at our, one of the offices that that we use for for the property business. Well, there's like that could be sectioned off, and actually we could take half. And we could actually rent out another half because the office is too big for us so and yeah. um, just putting some internal it's, partitions. Got two, it's
1: got two windows in it um, okay. and the only reason we're in there is because it's got the columns in it it's not in a separate cupboard or anything but yeah the more we look at it we're like if we could get another door put on there put a wall up that's another office space that we know there's massive demand for so Like, if we could do that with one of the toilets and we could do that with our room, there's another two units. And then we did look at the kitchen as well. I don't quite know whether we can do anything with that because it's quite a large, it's got enough space for, like, table and chairs and stuff, which we've got in it. And we do want to redo the kitchen at some point. So, yeah, maybe opportunity there, but we're also looking at going up because we've got quite a high pitch in the Mm -hmm. the roof space. Um, And at the moment, it either... End of the building, we've got like the entrance that goes up. It's like a extension, and then we've got the say escape, which is still set of stairs. But we're thinking there might be an opportunity to go up, so we're going to. That's probably like the next phase this year about looking at how do we do more in the building that we've got. So we've got somebody coming to have a look at that. Well, yeah, it next, should be in the
2: next like, week or so weeks. yeah just to weeks. run some ideas about and this is uh, you know it's exactly what you've said like i solve today's problem today which is that we've like refurbed it we've got it occupied and um, and we want to obviously build the culture and kind of the service offering that we've got there but then actually look at well, what else could we do here you know there's there's precedent set on the street you know for you know going up so if we've got the space there, we've tested the demand, actually it feels like a, a, a reasonable next step for us to to look to do that without going and looking for like an, another similar property. It might be a more viable option for us. Oh, we're still, we're still looking one. for another yeah, one. Yeah.
0: Well, that's, that's, that really, that's going to be my next question. But you're right, yeah, trying to optimise what you've got, pushing the price point to just below that tipping point. And then you know you've got a building. Then it's about maintaining it rather than necessarily growing it, isn't it? So, just what what is potentially what are you looking for now? Now that you've got this one under your belt, you've, you've kind of learned all the intricacies of it. Um, what are you looking to do? Another CMO? Are you looking at what, what's your strategy now moving forward?
1: Whenever I'm speaking to any agents, I'm like, "Have you got anything that looks like this? Just another <laughs> carbon copy of what we've got would be yeah. amazing." But if not, something kind of similar space in any of the big towns in Ayrshire um that would complement what we've got. Like there is a building right next door to us that we have offered on. It took us ages to get in to see it, but the price point is we
0: still too far apart. Yeah, we're yep. too far away.
1: But it would be a good option not not specifically just because of that building I think it would maybe give us some more options maybe to do stuff out in the car park which we've not costed in or anything but we're not obviously holding our hopes out for that and um, don't know what's happening there but We've got a list, like we're looking even at some shops as well, potentially, where like maybe we can cut them up as well. I think we do like the whole idea of taking a space, cutting it up, making it, not necessarily use class, but maybe changing the purpose of that build, building yeah. in terms of client. I, I
2: alluded to it at the, the, the top of the podcast as well, but we've got a SAS pension, so this next purchase will sit in our pension um, and... Yeah, like it just feels like a a natural next step for us. Great. So it's not pretty off. Not at (laughs) all. I I think, I mean, it's another option. And, you know, some of your listeners might, you know, resonate with this. As you get a bit more experience with different strategies, it's not necessarily that one's better than the other. All right? They've all got equal strengths or strengths and and drawbacks potentially. But when you're looking at a building it may well be that could work as a commercial multiple occupancy it could work as residential it might be convert that to residential and do something with it but it enables you to have a different idea of what the exit's going to be so i think it's just looking at the space what commercial done for us i think and hmo to a certain extent it said like just look at actually the the property and look at what could its uses be and where is the market is there a market there for for that just now and sometimes like i, I think we're pretty happy with it where, where, where we've got bank street um i think looking at you know other ones sometimes it doesn't work as a as a cmo or the exits not as profitable as something else but it, it just opens your eye your eyes up to kind of looking at different options
0: yeah and and every time you do like just just you Said it perfectly, Darren, every time you do a different strategy, it gives you another string to your bow so that you can analyze buildings with an arsenal of different techniques and strategies to use, whether it's CMO, whether it's HMO, back to resi, whatever it is. Okay, so knowing what you know now then, if you were to chat to yourselves back at the start... Any things you would do or encourage yourselves to speed the process up or tell yourselves not to
2: do it? I would or... say probably we, we brought some Resi team across into the commercial refurb. It mm-hmm. took too long. Uh, partly because we were, they were, div- their energy was divided across a few projects. And yep. um, so probably bring in another, another contractor. Um, that was probably a main one. Get that, like have more urgency. I guess it wasn't hurting us enough from a cash flow point of view, and therefore yes, we, it was we, covered. Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, if if the pain isn't there, it, you can be you can be slow. So comfort is massively overrated. We all crave comfort, but but actually making yourself uncomfortable there. Um, I think I would want to do that proactively so that we got that refurb done sooner. Got the, Got the occupants in. Um, and. Probably the big thing we haven't spoke about is is the the broadband, the Wi-Fi that felt like it took forever. I mean, maybe a best part of a year to get that in, start to finish. So yeah, not not underestimating that, I guess would be would be my um, would be my feedback to myself. Was it
1: is anything about like things like that, or just any utilities, luckily we didn't actually only. Three months ago, did we have a problem with our other utilities? We're getting a new meter installed yes. uh, in two weeks' time because you were, you
0: were getting odd bills. Yes,
1: yeah. Let's let's see. It's definitely faulty. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would resonate with that. The, the The key thing for us is just do it quicker, do everything quicker.
0: What? So it's interesting because you were talking about some technical stuff there down, right? About internet bringing over contractors from Resi, maybe going more for more commercial contractors. But what would you actually say to yourselves about how you were approaching it? That You, you mentioned there, Jillian, right, let's, you know, if we were to do it again or if we were to talk to ourselves when we are getting started, just do it quicker. But what, what do you think you would need to say that would make a difference? And I'm asking this because really there'll be people listening to this who are back at the start of that, right? And now, you know, for the benefit of your hindsight, what would you say to yourselves more, maybe even more on an emotional level of what you would do about it?
1: For, for me, like, it would be as simple as, like, it will genuinely be okay. <laughs> um, I think I was just really worried because it is a bit of an unknown, even though, like, you've done due diligence, you can see that there's demand. There still is that unknown. And actually, with, with like, the, the commercial, I mean, I know we may have a bad customer at one point, but... Genuinely, so far, Touchwood, like it's been a really positive experience. Like people tend to be more professional, mm-hmm. um, and I can have conversations, like face to face, really easily. Um, so yeah, just things will genuinely be okay for I, me.
2: Yeah, for me, I'm I'm not sure, Jenny, because I, I I can be a bit whether it's impulsive or decisive or bullish. I kind of felt okay about the process. It was, it was just getting out and seeing enough. I, it it didn't click until we seen the right property.
0: Yeah. So I think
2: yeah. if there was anything, it was like trust the process, like and get out and like I'm going to use your phrase in the swim, like getting out there and actually doing some stuff because often if particularly if you're you know if you're logical, you're rationally sort of driven, you're looking to understand every single step of the process and that end outcome. And in my experience, that's not how life works. That's not how this process has worked for us. We needed to start opening a few doors to then say, all ah, right, that's one I want to walk through. You maybe don't know, you know the absolute end goal for yep. that, but you're like, that's the door I need to go through next. Okay, right, well, what other doors do I need to open now? And it's just a process of kind of learning and trusting yourself as you go. So um, getting out and being active, I would say, it was probably the single biggest thing that helped us say, what was the next step then after that? So, yeah, getting active would probably be the only advice I would I would probably say to myself. Getting the swim. Brilliant, Dan. Getting the swim, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, just one last question um, in terms of commercial and, and resi. How... How have you found the difference in cash flow between the two between investing in resi and doing the commercial
2: one much, much better like putting in context without paying it like rough sort of number to say that the purchase price here is 230 which a lot of your southern listeners or english and welsh listeners might go what um but cash flow wise that that is probably two houses worth of a purchase if we were chucking that on uh, by elect space you might be cash flowing 500 600 quid at best out of that. From the commercial unit that we've bought, we're cash flowing more likely, probably a, a couple of grand a month. That's after mortgage and all, all, all yeah. that. Yeah. So there's quite a difference there in terms of return on investment. And again, it's maybe not always the case. Some will, some locations and some types of buildings will. Will be better used on residential, you know, potentially and some might be commercial and different type of class use. But yeah, I would say absolutely, very much like the HMO, you're starting to think a lot more differently about a, a property. It's not just a bricks and mortar where you've got one single tenant and that they're in there. You're thinking about how can I provide something of value to the community effectively. Um and with that, there's a bit more work. It's quite, it's a bit more murky at times. You're not always sure exactly yeah. like what the right answer is until you try some stuff. But at the back end of that, there are, there are more rewards. The return is is from what uh, our experience is is, is is a lot better than some of the other strategies in, in residential.
0: Okay. Thank you both. That's been really interesting. Good to reminisce on some of the yep. points that we went through, some of the different stages and phone calls. It was all fun. I'm really looking forward to seeing what what's next for you guys. And for anyone that is listening, who wants to follow you, where where can they find you?
2: Darren Green Coaching. You'll be able to find me there. Yeah, yeah
1: and on Instagram, I'm Jill Green Property.
0: Right, that's okay, amazing.
2: brilliant.
0: So thank you both for joining me. It's been excellent. I hope um, that's been really useful for listeners. I'm sure it will be, particularly for those that are getting started and, and are just a wee bit Concerned about this messy, murky world and actually, don't worry, it'll come good. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a pleasure, Danny.
2: Thank you. Thank you both.
0: Now, let me ask you a question. How would you like to quiz today's guest or many of the other guests we've had on the show? Imagine that. Well, every month we hold a private podcast guest Q&A session for all of the CPI network and it provides the members an opportunity to ask those burning questions or those that might be answered a little more frankly when the microphone is turned off. This is just one of the benefits of joining the CPI network. Check out the Get in the Swim membership to see how you too can pose your own questions to our guest experts. There are of course many other benefits to members including face-to-face networking and educational days, plus lots of online content created specifically by private investors for those that want to expand their property portfolio to include commercial assets. a fantastic way to gain more knowledge and confidence around commercial property and it's great value so why don't you come and join us by getting in the swim hi there i hope you're enjoying the content delivered on the cpi podcast even though it's free to listen to it actually takes quite a bit of time and financial commitment to deliver each and every episode did you know that by leaving a positive written review you yes you will have a direct impact on the visibility of the podcast And that's really important because by reaching a wider audience it helps our team to continually improve the overall content that we deliver to you week after week. For some of you, leaving a review will be second nature, but for others, it might be a first one. Open your podcast app, pick the CPI podcast and search for previous reviews. And on iTunes in particular, click to look at all of the reviews and then you'll see an option to leave a written review. Go on, it'll only take two minutes and it'll really make our day. And we genuinely read every single one of them.